the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Judas is being the one that actually came against him. So I want you to think about the person that that really bothers you the most in your life. The one that perhaps in the middle of the night you can't sleep when you begin to think about that person. And that person really gets your goat. I want you to think about that person. The person that brings you the most emotional pain. The person that really bothers you. The person you might be afraid of because of what they can or cannot do to you. That person who's already hurt you so bad and you're afraid they'll do it again. Maybe it's an ex in a child custody situation. Whatever it might be. I want you to think of that type of person. In some measure, ask the Lord, what can I do to be able to serve that person to watch this? Wash their dirty feet. What can I do to reach out and touch them? That was Judas. And then the last person was, of course, Peter as I look here. Oh, my goodness. Peter always arguing with the Lord more than any of the other guys. And yeah, as he's doing it, you might have someone that he supports you, but they're always nitpicking what you're doing. They always question you. They always doubt you. The person that has, has that way to get under your skin, they're on your team and they respect you and they need you and they're not going to try to fight you, but at the same time, they're just, they're the, that, that cantankerous. Do you have a child like that? Do you have a kid like that that seems to get your goat? My wife likes to say that uh, if you want to get someone's goat, just find out where they tied it up. But anyway, the point is still, those kind of people that get into your life, those are the very people that he washed their feet. Would you let Jesus in you wash the disciples' feet, the betrayer's feet, the person who just seems to always question your authority? How about someone like that? You've got to love them first. That's the key. If you love them, some of these other things begin to become more easier. You're stronger. And even though you're imperfect, you know you can serve imperfect people. Well, let's go to the, the fourth one now. And this one is kind of important because it, it talks about not trying to impress people. Look, if you will, in verse 10 and 10, 11. It says, Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason he said, not all of you are clean. Now that passage really throws a lot of uh, people in a tizzy because they don't really know what it means. So let me see if I can quickly make some sense out of this. Look up here if you will. Have you ever heard of a double meaning? There's kind of a double meaning going on. When he talks about some of you are clean, he's talking about those that have been clean because... 
they have trusted in Christ coming again. They're part of the salvation experience. Now you have to wrap this around a lot of other scriptures so it's not just in this one context. But they've been clean. We know according to Titus chapter 3 verse 5 that we've been clean through the regeneration of his word. His mercy has cleansed us because of what he's done on the cross. So we are clean. Now even though we're clean, we still need daily cleansing. And that is when we confess our sin to the Lord. So that's why he was saying, you're clean, but not all of you are clean. Meaning, you're clean, but your, dirt, your feet are dirty. So while you are clean, you are clean, but I still need to clean this up. And so the Lord is now sanctifying them, that continual cleansing, because we get dirty as we walk through life. And he's talking about that. And then he's talking about the cleaning of a person who is uh, not all clean. This would be like the Judas who never saw Jesus as the Lord and as the coming Savior, never came to faith in Christ at all. So Jesus is saying, all of you in this room, you know, not all of you are clean, implying in the context, Judas is not clean. He didn't say that word, but Judas is not clean. And I thought, what a great double meaning. That could be here in this church. All of us have been cleansed because we trusted Christ and forgiven of all of our sin. But now secondly... Every day we need to be cleansed. Some of you, perhaps even at this very moment, are sensing that even as a servant leader you have failed. You haven't loved others. You haven't really gone in his strength, so you waffle and you're up and down in your leadership. And some of you have, um, you know, you get so gripey with other people, you kind of abandon them. And so now you're sensing, oh, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be the kind of servant leader I should be. And so what the Lord says, I'll clean you. And so he's going to clean that part of you when you confess it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us, forgive us of all unrighteousness. So that may be a group of you that just needs that daily cleansing where the Lord kind of washes you through that forgiveness. But there could be someone in this room that most all of us have been cleansed, but there's one that's not clean at all. Outwardly, you might look clean, you might talk clean, but in your own heart, you have never come to Christ for the full forgiveness of all of your sins. So you've never been cleansed from your sin. You've never had full salvation in Christ. Well, with Judas, no hope. With you, there is hope. And I pray that you will trust Christ. So as I look at that, I think, ooh, how important that would be. Jesus stooped low to help those people and he didn't try to do it to impress them. And I hope that when you decide to be a leader that it's not turning the spotlight on you. Look at me and look at the kind of leader I am. Look at the kind of servant that I am. A lot of that is done under the radar. I'm going to share something. I don't even have his permission to share it. And if I did, I wouldn't get it. So I'm going to say it anyway. But I think you'll understand and I think he will too. You know that Carol and I have been on and off island too much in the last month. But they were, it was necessary. Now when you hear that, that's no big deal. But we have no family here. That's not a whine. That's the facts. We have no sons here. Don't daughters here. No daughter-in-laws. Nobody. And we had Belinda stay in our house to take care of our, our herd, our two cats and a dog. But it's kind of a big job and we have a yard in the backyard and our neighbors are nice but they're so busy. And so I just knew our yard, if it even got watered, I'd be grateful but by then it would be turning to hay and I, I didn't have time to mow it. I didn't know what I was going to look like when I got back. And I came back after busy knowing that I didn't even have time to mow it before we had to head out again to this next trip. We were only here for a few days. Some of you remember that. You've been with us. When I came back from the first trip, I was wondering what we're going to do about this yard because we've been gone three and a half weeks. And I found out that Pastor Dennis had driven by the community on purpose or not. And he swung in and he climbed under the house to get our rusted old lawnmower, cranked that baby up, 
and he mowed and edged our yard. Now, the reason I don't have his permission, because if I asked him, he probably wouldn't give it. And some of you are going to be offended at that, and I, I'm sorry for you for that. That's a judgment you shouldn't have. But this is a great illustration, though, of someone who is willing to go the extra mile to serve. He didn't preach to me. He didn't give me money. He did something that money couldn't buy. He mowed my yard. So the moral of that story is if you need your yard mowed, call Dennis, will you? No, no, that's not. You know what the moral of that story is? Watch this, watch this, this is critical. We're gone. So whatever we were doing when we're here did not get done unless John and Dennis did it. They were double overloaded because I was gone. And yet as busy as they were, more busy, they still came out of their life to be able to come into someone else's life, not to impress. Didn't even tell me. I had to find out that he did that. That to me is a living example of what we're preaching. Can I spot a servant? You better believe I can. And the good news is, is I, we have a lot of them in here. The sad news is that we could have more. And I'm wondering maybe by today's message, the Spirit of God would help us to do that. Not for the kudos, but it needs to be done. Let me give you the last point. The last one is this. Can you spot a leader? He loves others. He's strong in character at least. He's an imperfect person willing to serve imperfect people. At the same time, he doesn't do it to throw the spotlight on him. Look what I'm doing. But a servant is there to meet needs. To meet real needs. Not just little felt needs, but real needs. Let's go a little bit further in the passage. Verse 12. It says, so when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right. In other words, he's not denying that he is these things. So it's not a false sense of humility. It's a genuine sense of humility. For so I am. But now he gives it as a lesson in verse 14. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, and by the way, truly, truly is used so much in the Gospel of John, and it's, it's like saying, look here, look here, listen, 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 listen. I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, if you can, you might want to look up here. Chuck Swindoll, referring to this little portion of Scripture, said something kind of neat. He talked about knowing the, the people that were there. Here's what he knew. He knew that their hearts were proud, and he knew that their feet were dirty. And so what did he do? He modeled what a servant was to wash their feet, because that was a need. It was a physical need. But he also knew their hearts were proud. So he had to model humility, remind them about cleansing, And then he says, what I just did, I want you to do with others. Now, here's what Satan does. Satan wants to take this truth that's in the Bible. He wants to misapply it and cause Christians to think that we're to go into all the world and wash dirty feet. Or to do this as a symbol on a communion night or communion day. And so now you have churches that are so caught up in foot washing that they really miss the real teaching. The real teaching is humility. The real teaching is being a servant. The real teaching is, and I like this part, and I think it's very subtle and often overlooked. Here it is. When Jesus is talking about cleansing that person, 
totally. There's that forgiveness dynamic of the Lord. And so I'm believing that in this context, it's also telling us that I should do that to others. It's not so much washing their feet, but it is being humble around others. It does mean serving them. Watch this now. It does mean looking at them at two levels. They have real felt needs, dirty feet, things that they really need to have done, yards that need to be mowed. But at the same time, they also have spiritual needs. And so what Jesus is saying, I'm doing this outwardly here, but I'm also demonstrating a spiritual truth that's going on. So instead of getting so hung up on washing people's feet and all of that kind of traditional stuff, if we want to be that leader that people can spot, that servant with a servant's heart, then we're going to look at people that have, quote, dirty lives. And we're going to come alongside them in humility. We're going to take off our titles. We're going to take off all the perks that come with our titles. And all we're going to do is roll up our sleeves and get dirty for God for those people. Now I know sometimes in our mind, uh, here's what happens when we're confronted with that dirty person. Oh, we sigh. How's it going? You ask a, a Christian leader, a volunteer. How's it going? Their first response is, oh, you can't imagine. Oh, oh what are we? Oh, oh. Jesus didn't walk in the room and say, oh, Oh, the smell. Oh, you got... Oh, oh, that's a hard day today. Oh, you wouldn't believe what I got facing me this week. He didn't do that. All that didn't mean anything because it was focused on them. The moment you go, ha, huh, ha, huh, you're looking for sympathy. You're looking for something to come back at you. Something to coddle you. You don't have to deny that you're tired and overworked and abused and whatever might have happened. That you don't see it the way you'd like it to be seen. But you come back like, Jesus, that doesn't matter about me. It's all about you. Your need is greater than my need. Well, second way, Jesus didn't come in there and look at their feet and then condemn them horribly for it. Sometimes we deal with a person, we make them feel worse after we minister to them than before they had their problem. Have you had someone like that in your life? You've got a little problem, they come in and they just overload their criticism. They'll write you letters and notes and emails and they'll blast you with all the stuff you've done wrong. And they don't really talk about, can I help you? Is there something I can, is there, what can I do to carry your load? What can I do to help make life better? Parents do that with kids. Husbands do that with wives. Wives do that with husbands. Pastors can do that with their people if they're not careful. And so instead of making people worse dirty, just go alongside them and wash their feet and then kind of explain what's happening so that they can then go to their next level. And then you have the other kind of people that see dirty people around them and they realize those dirty feet need to be cleansed and they got dirty lives and, and I, I really love them. So let's hire someone else to go do it. Do you know what I'm trying to talk about? They won't come to work parties. They're the kind of people that won't cook a meal. I'm not saying you've got to go to every work party and you've got to you know, make a big full course meal for every ill person in the church. But I'm saying that sometimes we in our life of affluence all of a sudden will do so much to let other people to do the dirty work we'll just kind of fund it so we can go do our thing because it hardly costs us much we hardly feel that pain when we kind of get and, and Jesus didn't do that he didn't say your feet are dirty so Peter would you wash John John you watch Timothy he didn't do that he got in there and he said listen guys I'll do it all myself now, he didn't do it to throw the spotlight on him he did it as an example that it's going to be the greatest group the people around me I'm sure there were a lot of dirty feet in Jerusalem watch this watch this this key he didn't wash everybody's feet 
You as a leader cannot wash everybody's dirty life. So who do you start with? The people that are in your purview. The people that are in your group. It's not us four no more shut the door, but we start with this. Now watch this. And then we teach them to take it to the next group and the next group and the next group and the next group. And that's what Jesus did. He met needs by taking care of the people who had needs, who could take care of other needs. A phrase I picked up from someone else that I like so well that I I would hope it would be in my life too. In this context, this little point context, and that's this. I want to make a difference with people who want to make a difference with people who want to make a difference. Do you catch what I'm trying to say? I, wash, I want to wash the feet of those who want to wash the feet of those who want to wash the feet. And I pray that here, our little church, on this big island, that we would be the servant that everyone can spot because we're most like Christ. We love others because Christ loves them. Our strength comes from the Lord, and it might not be our, our strength of body and physicalness, but it's this character that we have. And then when we do this with other people, we know that we're still imperfect. We still need our feet to be washed. And sometimes someone's going to come alongside us and say, you're clean, but you got little dirty spots here. Let me help you clean those. That we would let that happen. Watch this, parentheses. Jesus may want to be washing your feet right now. Would you let him? Or you can be like Peter and say, no, 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 I want that. And then at the same time, you don't throw the spotlight on yourself of what a great servant you are. Just do it. Just do it. And then look at the people's needs on two levels. Physical needs, hurts in their life, problems in their life, needs that they have. And then their spiritual needs. Because often, watch this, their spiritual need is what created their physical needs. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus talks about the abundant life in John chapter 10 at the last part of verse 10. And we are now at John chapter 13, perhaps at the beginning of how do you have an abundant life? You have an abundant life by stooping low and helping other people. Maybe that's where you are now. So let the Holy Spirit now bring to you how you might be able to apply this to your life rather than criticize how it was delivered and what point wasn't as right on target or judge motives. And just, just be humble. Just let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord take you to another level in your usefulness for Him. I, I really believe you want to be. You, you've already demonstrated your desire to serve. So many of you volunteer for so many things around here. Don't get weary in well-doing. You will reap if you faint not. So number one, love the Lord. And if you really love Him, you will love others. The doubters, the questioners, and the betrayers. When you do that, your strength should come from the Lord. Not from your own abilities. Yes, the skills that you have that God built into your life. So God gets the glory. Your strength comes from Him. Your ability comes from Him. Your efficiency without His sufficiency is deficiency. And then as you serve now, think in terms of how imperfect you are as the other people are imperfect and that's why you're needed. If everybody was doing good, if everything was taken care of, if all the feet were clean, we would never need to clean people's feet. 
And that's what servants do. We clean feet. And then, be careful about letting the spotlight be thrown on your life. Be careful about drawing attention to yourself. Remember, whatever you are is from Him. And then finally, meet needs. Servant meets needs. Physical and spiritual. What will you do? A spiritual need, you bring him to Jesus. A physical need, you go to Jesus for the strength to meet that need. Now maybe some of you here have not accepted Christ as your Savior. And I want you to know all the serving that you do of others and the Lord will not get you into heaven. Because Jesus then, he's such an opposite. He says, it's not by works of righteousness. He says, for by grace you are saved through faith that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works. So you don't do good deeds to get into heaven. We are doing these good deeds as servants because we are already going to heaven. And it's our way to say, mahalo to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving us eternal life. So what you do now is you say, Lord, I'm so hopeless. I need you to cleanse me, but not just my feet. I need you to cleanse the, all of me. I want you to forgive me of all my sin. And you simply come to him and say, Lord, I'm dirty. I'm a sinner. I need to be cleansed. And no baptism, no water baptism, no church, nothing I do spiritually or religiously or socially will ever get that taken care of. I'm coming to you because you will cleanse me. All of me. And Lord, I want to thank you for that. So I come to you as a sinner in need of a Savior. And you are the Lord God Almighty. And I'm trusting you to do that. I'd like to pray for you. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask if you've trusted Christ as your Savior in here. And you might say, Lord, I'm trusting in you and you alone. Now, you put it in your own words, but I'd like to trust you. And I'm doing that now, Lord. I'm trusting you. However you want to say it to the Lord. As long as you know it's not you and Christ that gets you saved. It's only Christ. I'm not going to have you stand up, walk an aisle. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I will ask you to slip up your hand and when you do, I'll just say thank you or I saw that hand and you just put it down. There's nobody in the back looking for hands or looking at you. This is a private thing. Jesus says you believe in your heart. Later on you can confess with your mouth but right now it's in your heart. And you should confess later but right now it's a heart thing. Would there be anyone in here today that realizes that um, in a certain way you are a sinner and that you don't want to be like Peter and says, I don't want you to cleanse me, Lord. The Lord would say, he had no part with me if you don't. And Jesus says, if you don't let me cleanse you, forgive you of your sin, you have no part with me or have eternal life. No matter how good you are, you have to admit that you need me. So is there anyone in here today that's ready to say, Pastor, pray for me. I trust that Christ is my Savior. So without every, anyone looking around, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Would you slip up your hand if today's the day that you're calling upon the Lord to be your Savior? Would you put it up right now? Real high so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Christians, how about you? Because of the, um, the um, conviction level of this particular sermon, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand to me to ask for prayer that you want to be a servant that people could spot, properly spot. But you're now just going to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm now going to take this message. I'm going to let your spirit begin to work in my heart. I'm going to let you be that servant through me to others. You take that to the Lord. You talk to him right now. And then we don't need to have your hand. We'll see it with your whole life. You will be different. You will treat people differently. Your love will be one not in word, but it'll also be in deed. Your strength will come from the Lord so you can sustain in your servanthood. 
It won't be strong one day and weak the next. Apart from physicalness. There's always going to be physicalness when we're tired and overloaded. But that joy will always remain. We'll be able to see it in the sense that you'll be humble to admit that you're imperfect, but you want to serve imperfect people. That you're not drawing attention to yourself. You're just going to do it. Sometimes even before you're asked. And then you're going to look for needs. You're going to listen for needs. And then you're going to meet those needs in Christ to help them. So you don't need to raise your hand. Let's all, including me, show it to the Lord with our life. Let's start with our own personal sphere of influence. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this one that indicated by an uplifted hand that they were trusting you as Savior. And that, Father, when we trust you as Savior, we're born again forever. We will never lose it. It'll be sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. And we never have to trust you again to be saved or to have that sin forgiven. But now, Father, I pray that as we are a new person in you, that this new person would be one that would be just as humble. We were humble when we came to you, a sinner in need of a Savior. Now we're a born-again sinner who became a saint, who still needs you desperately to help us to serve others. And now we want to turn our focus on the needs of others. And so, Lord, I pray that our church would be just like that, with our own group, but then we expand to the next and to the next to the next. For, Father, we want to be most like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.